Hello, everyone, and welcome to The InDesigner, the podcast that provides information, instruction, and insight to designers using and learning Adobe InDesign. I'm your host, Michael Murphy, and this is episode 18, the first of a two-part series in which we're going to talk about tables. If you haven't already discovered InDesign's robust table creation feature, you're going to be pretty impressed by what it can do. If you're familiar with tables but haven't used them that much, you're going to find that the level of design control you have over tables and the ways in which you can use them is far beyond what you might have expected. Tables may not be the most exciting part of your life as a designer, but they're probably an inescapable fact. If they weren't such a great means of presenting information and conveying comparative relationships, they wouldn't be so prevalent. And yes, they can be remarkably boring. But is it the data or the presentation that's dull, and how much of that is our fault as designers? Here's what I mean. This is a table in Microsoft Excel. It's pretty dull, right? It's hard to know where to look and nearly impossible to determine what data is most important without a lot of scrutiny. Here's the exact same table in InDesign. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's exciting, but it's far less dull. And just by glancing at this for a second or two, the hierarchy and relationships of information are pretty obvious, as is the one section of data that you're supposed to pay the most attention to. Tables are what we as designers make of them. A designer's job when presenting information is not just to pick nice fonts and colors. It's to facilitate the reader's understanding of all that information. The data is the same in both Excel and InDesign, but the experience of the person looking at it is entirely different if a designer's doing their job right. I will confess to something that most of you are probably guilty of also, and that is that I have cut corners and presented very dull tables when working under the old regime of Quark Express. Not out of lack of knowledge, but because doing it right in Express took entirely too much time. I could complete a six-page layout in the time it would take me to set up a six-column table in Express. But there are no more excuses for me or for you. InDesign tables are remarkably flexible, almost infinitely customizable, easily editable, and fairly intuitive to work with. Let's get started with the basics. The most basic thing you need to know about tables is that you need a text frame to create one. A table is not a separate object the way a text frame, graphic frame, or drawn shape is. Without a text frame to start with, your options in the table menu will be grayed out and unavailable to you. You have to create a text frame or put your cursor inside of an existing text frame to create an InDesign table. With your text insertion cursor inside of a text frame, you can create a table from scratch just by selecting Insert Table from the table menu. You'll be prompted to indicate the number of rows and columns in the body of your table, as well as how many, if any, header and footer rows you want. Just click OK, and there's a table, ready for you to start adding text to the cells and customizing its appearance. But more often than not, your table data is going to come from an outside source, either an Excel workbook, a common delimited file, or a tab delimited text file. If you drag an Excel file from any folder onto your page, InDesign automatically creates a table and the text frame that contains it. However, if you drag either the tab delimited or comma delimited files into your InDesign document, they won't automatically be recognized as tables. What you're going to get is normal placed text, with tabs separating what you want to be in individual cells. In order to quickly convert this to a table, just select all of the text, and then from the Table menu, select Convert Text to Table. 
In the dialog box, be sure to select the proper separator. In this case, I want to choose a tab. And more often than not, your row separator will be a paragraph. And there's a table converted from tab to limited text. Now, this all works great if you know that what you're dragging in is exactly what you want in your layout. But if you want more control, the best way to place an Excel file as a table exactly the way you want it is to bring it in using the place command. Placing an Excel file brings up the Microsoft Excel import options dialog, where you can specify which worksheet in the incoming Excel file you want to have placed, the range of cells you want to include, you can decide whether or not you want it brought in unformatted, or with all of its Excel formatting preserved, or as unformatted tab text. You can also indicate how many decimal places you want to include, if that's applicable to your data. And InDesign places the table exactly the way you specify. Now that we've got a table in our file, let's get started with some basic formatting. One of the best things about working with a table in InDesign is that you have a lot of control over every part of it, including what you select and how you can select it. You can select either some or all of the text in a cell, the entire cell or a range of cells, entire rows, columns, or the whole table. When you're working in your table, you have nearly all the same text formatting options at your disposal that you do with regular text. So you can quickly align numbers to the right, center text at the top of columns, align category text to the right, and so on. You can also apply paragraph and character styles to the text in a table just by selecting a range of rows, columns, or cells and applying the appropriate styles. This will allow you to quickly format entire sections of your table with only a few clicks, the same way you would any other text. Applying a fill color to cells, rows, and columns is also the same as with anything else in InDesign. You simply select what you want, go to the swatches palette, and click a swatch. You can apply different colors to different cells to highlight them, apply background fills to a range of cells and adjust their tint percentages, and highlight important information by varying tints and colors within specific rows and columns. But when it comes to strokes, things are a bit different. In fact, the stroke palette itself is different. By default, InDesign applies a solid one-point black stroke to all cells in a table. The bottom portion of the stroke palette also switches to this proxy image, and which portion of the table you have selected changes how this proxy image appears. Keep an eye on how the proxy image changes when I select just a cell, or just a column, or the entire table. Notice the representation of interior and exterior blue lines in the proxy reflects the range of cells selected. Now, this stroke looks awful, so I'm just going to set the weight to zero for the entire table. I can then selectively apply or remove strokes to specific rows, columns, or cells, depending on which of the lines in this proxy image are highlighted in blue. If they're not blue, no stroke palette changes get applied. Just selecting the outer lines of the proxy puts a stroke on the outer four edges. Just selecting the inner lines of the proxy puts strokes only between rows and columns. But that's not the right look for this table either, so I'm going to undo that and make some more appropriate settings.
selecting just the last row of individual numbers and deselecting all but the bottom line in the proxy image, I'll apply a two-point orange stroke that will span across the totals at the bottom of the table. Then I'll select the columns of numbers, deselect all but the interior vertical line in the proxy image, and apply a one-point stroke using the paper swatch that will appear only between these selected rows. Next, I'll select the category cells, deselecting all but the interior horizontal line in the proxy, and apply a half-point dotted stroke using the orange color. Lastly, I'll select the number columns, deselect all but the interior horizontal line in the proxy, and apply a one-point dotted stroke with the color of paper between those rows. Let me just close these palettes and zoom in on this table so that you can better see these results. Now I've got a table with different fills, strokes, paragraph styles, and alignments looking pretty much how I want it to. But to wrap this example up, I'm just going to make two last adjustments to this table. The first column in this table is wider than I need, so I'm just going to select it and drag its right edge to narrow the width and I can do the same to the three columns of numbers to further compact the table as a whole just by dragging each columns edge to change its size. And the last thing this table needs is a title explaining what it is. So I'm going to select the first row, go to the table menu and select insert row. I want to insert one row above the current row so I'll just click OK here. By default, this new row has all of the same attributes of the row it was inserted before, but that's not what I want. I also don't need four columns in this row. I want my title row to span the entire table, which I can accomplish by clicking the small Merge Cells icon in the control palette. Now my top row is a single merged cell spanning all four columns. I can set the alignment of the cell's text to be centered, type my title right into the cell, and then apply a paragraph style to it so it's formatted exactly the way I want. So here's my finished table, and let's just uh, zoom in on it for a closer look. And that wraps up the basics of creating and formatting tables. In the next episode, we'll take it up a notch and look at advanced table features and some samples of how good tables can improve your design and good design can improve your tables. And for those of you out there who asked for it, the InDesigner podcast is now available in an iPod-compatible video format. The version you subscribe to on iTunes will still be this larger format video, which I believe is the best way to see what's going on in these podcasts. So if you want the iPod version, you can download it directly from the website. This episode and the last one are already available in this format, and when time permits, I'll go back and post iPod versions of some of the older shows. As always, you can post comments and get more information on the blog at www.theindesigner.com, email me at info at or look for me on iChatter AIM as The InDesigner. So until next time, this is Michael Murphy for The InDesigner Video Podcast. Thanks for watching.